Welcome to Zero to CEO, where seasoned entrepreneurs will teach you how to succeed. I'm your host, Jason Sherman. In today's episode of Zero to CEO, I talk to behavioral scientist and innovation expert, Luke Batty. Welcome to the show. Hey, Jason. Great to have you. Awesome. And uh, today we're going to talk about the five patterns of high-performing remote teams and how to embrace them. <laughs> uh, let's talk a little bit about remote teams. Um, I noticed uh, during the pandemic, especially on my end, that a lot of the people that I was working with in person or meeting in person, now it shifted to online and Zooms and Slack and stuff like that. And it worked well in some ways. But let's talk about some of the downsides because everybody always talks about the upside. But I think there's a lot of the downsides that no one talks about. So what are those? What's the struggle? Uh, well, I think there are. Uh, there's a case to make that when it comes to really trying to build relationships, there are some structures that happen in the real world or in person that are particularly beneficial, right? Meeting somebody in the foyer and that kind of walk to the meeting room and some of the chit chat that happens there or, you know, socializing, not having that time constraint, it not being a task focused conversation, it being something that can be a little bit more organic and meander. And I think there's definitely something magical that happens there that is difficult to recreate online. But my experience is just most companies suck at remote. And I think that whilst you, there are downsides, I think like they're largely able to be mitigated with sort of the right knowledge and approach. So what is the right approach? Let's well, talk about, uh, let's talk about some of those things. Yeah. So, you know, when COVID kicked in, every client I spoke to was bemoaning this new format and not being able to be there in person and, Frankly, I just sort of thought it was slightly myopic. And, you know, if you were going to go back to the turn of the century and ask people whether you could recreate the magic of theatre virtually, they'd say no way. And yet right now I would rather go and watch a movie than go and see a play. And actually it's like there are things you can do through this medium that maybe you just can't do in person. And so we were really curious about that. Our clients loved how we kind of embraced this and saw it as something potentially positive and kind of we're joining these calls and these meetings with an energy. And so we wanted to go and understand, okay, well, how do we do this better than anybody else? And we started researching these remote by default companies and we saw these five patterns that they seem to embrace pretty consistently. And uh, maybe I can kind of walk you through some yeah, of those. I'd like, like hear, levels, I'd, I'd like to hear these five patterns. So um, like they were very, very good at building trust fast. And so there are these sort of three components of trust. It's around uh, competence, around integrity, and really around, uh, you know, building the sense that I'm going to do you no harm very, very early on. And there's some specific techniques that they use there. Next one is they got people aligned on vision really, really fast. They knew the direction they were headed, even if the how wasn't necessarily clear. Right. They structured their teams to be excellent problem solvers. They had techniques to make decision-making uh, higher quality, and they were really good at managing people's attention remotely as well in the tools that they used. And those five patterns we've seen kind of come up again and again in companies like Slack or like Butter or Mural and various others that we research. And what we've been doing is turning that into tools that teams can use themselves now. Interesting. So you're taking, I guess, the the amalgamation of tools that have spawned out of the pandemic or they were already there but people weren't really yeah, noticing just, them they yeah. might have they, you know these companies had to improve them actually over time so maybe the pandemic almost exacerbated them a need to to improve upon the technologies that already existed so 
let's talk about these these patterns and how you guys are amplifying them a bit and helping um, companies to um, you know exploit them and use them. Yeah. So, I mean, my background, Jason, is as a behavioral scientist. So I'm really passionate about how people make decisions and the things that influence them and all, you know, all that good stuff. Are we talking about like Sherlock Holmes style or? No, more like, uh, more like things like nudge and what are the sort of the things that influence the, your behaviors and choices day to day. And we're really interested in helping companies create the context for the behaviors they want to see, whether that's customers doing things differently or employees doing things differently. And part of that is the team dynamic that's happening behind the scenes to navigate these new complex and kind of uh, faster and faster approaching problems that companies are trying to wrestle with. And so what we've been doing is taking these five principles and turning them into a set of tools that teams can use. And they're actually all open source. They're freely available. Maybe we can kind of share a link with you after today. But Yeah, definitely do that. Yeah, some of the some of the kind of the key pieces for us is about taking the insights out of academia, seeing how those relate then into how companies are doing things, and then switching it, taking the jargon out and making them practical tools that you can use. So, are these, uh, uh, when you say academia, are you saying that like professors are writing papers about certain topics and then yeah, there's so much research. Oh yeah, there's tons of research out there about what makes high performing remote teams and how being remote influences things like brainstorming or, uh, you know, collaboration or decision-making. Well, 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 let's talk about that one for a second, because I do that with my team every day. Um, before we were on this call, I was brainstorming about some new initiatives we're, we're trying to implement. So where do you see brainstorming um, either advantages or disadvantages from remote online um, team building? Like, what, what have you noticed? Is it better? Is it worse? Uh, it, it can be worse, but it can be better if you know how to do it well. And so, you know, I think you can strip whether it's remote or in person back for a second. And when it comes to something like brainstorming, like the key technique is this idea of diverge and then converge. And so what you want to make sure is that you don't have this scenario of an 80-20 meeting where 80% of the contribution comes from 20% of the people in the room, which is mm. most meetings, right? Most people's experience in True. particular brainstorming. And so the technique for that is that you don't allow people to talk about their response to the question until they've captured their response down. So if we were talking about how to make you know your business let's, more effective. Let's do, an, or, let's do an example. Let's do an example. Sure. So if this was around, hey, like what's what are some of the ways that we might be able to improve collaboration in our team? Rather than talk about that, because the second we talk about it, if you perceive me to be higher status for whatever reason, mm -hmm. you're going to now think about your response in relation to mine. And so what's going to happen there is we're going to take a group of people. We have one voice start that anchors the conversation. And then everybody else is deciding if their idea is good enough to share or not. Oh. And actually what we really want to have in a brainstorming process is we want like maximal optionality. And so the way to do that is to ask the question, Ask everybody to note down their response and then everybody play back. Mm. And what that means is you have a hundred percent of people's original ideas to be able to choose from and spark. And it might be that the thing that you say sparks something off in me that leads me onto a, a whole nother route. So this is this like diverge. So stop people from discussing it, get them to capture, play it back. You don't have the group dynamics. Go for the diverge. Let's have maximal options. And then you give the team the ability to select and refine and prioritize from those. So that technique works amazingly online, but also sort of in quote the real world as well. That reminds me of the old um, game you would play at a party or whatever, where you each throw something in a hat and then randomly choose one and read it out loud or something. 
Yeah, yeah. Maybe, I, maybe people could do that. You could say, look, put your idea in this thing, and then we could all read them one by one without names, you know? Yeah, I mean, like, the big benefit of doing this online now, though, is that because we have this in our working memory, right, the stuff that kind of holds it onto things for a short amount of time, we can juggle maybe five to seven bits of information at any one time. And so in a conversation that's unstructured, it's hard to keep track of everything that's getting talked about, whereas when we're using these online remote whiteboards like Mural or like Miro, you can create these spaces that focus work and conversation and thinking and give it structure in a way that just is harder to do in person. You know, I can right. kind of set you up, bring your team into an environment where I've got the prompts and the flow and move you through really, really quickly by comparison to in-person. Everything's digital from the start. Everything's there to kind of go back and re-reference. I don't have to worry about reading your handwriting because it's going to be legible, all that kind of stuff. Like you can just <laughs> skip it all and there's no note taking afterwards, right? It's like, Wonderful. it's, yeah, cause it's all right there in front of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You're right. almost making it sound like you prefer this. <laughs> I do. So, so genuinely when clients now ask to do things in person, there are certain things I would highly recommend where it's relationship focused. And like I was saying at the beginning, you know, where you want to have the opportunity to connect over a period of time that's not so task focused. But if it were working in a project and getting stuff done, I would say 100 percent it's going to be faster, quicker, better quality, less bias for doing this online and doing it remotely well than doing it in person. And uh, and yeah, and a, a lot quicker. I agree with you. The, the only downsides that I have been finding now three years in it, you know, with this pandemic and managing, say, 20 people mm -hmm. in different departments is accountability and I guess trying to, you know, sometimes it's it would work if I could just sit down with somebody in person yeah. for, for just one day yeah. and yeah. ask that person 75 questions that I'm wanting the answers to that they're just avoiding on Slack. Yeah. They're not answering the Trello cards. They're ignoring my requests. And it's not a lack of vision or, uh, you know, collaboration or, you know, desire to be a part of the company. Life is just getting in the way and they're busy and they have other things going on. And so is there a way to combat this? Yeah, for sure. And like, to me, that's about values and that's actually about integrity. And that's one of the patterns that we've seen in these teams is they get that trust piece really, really strong upfront. And how, what we do for that is there's a kind of a few questions that we get people answering, right? At the very beginning, if you're building a new team, for example, it's one of our kits, you build a new team, you're getting them together, getting them on the same page. First up is about building trust quickly. So how do I make sure that you know, I'm not here to do you any harm. And there's some great techniques for that. One of them is, introduce yourself with a photo from your phone that makes you smile, right? So it's not about the professional mask. It's just something personal about you that makes me go, okay, cool. We're, we're both humans here. Next up is competence. I've got to believe that you bring something valuable to the team. And that might be, hey, you know, a great question we ask is, you know, when it hits the fan, what do we call you for? Like, what's, what do we have you on speed dial for, right? That's a great way of people just leaning into, like, when this type of issue comes up, this is for me. But the, the most important piece to your point is integrity. And that's about, as a team, getting explicit. What are the behaviors that are going to enable success for us and allowing everybody to carve that? But most importantly, you frame this question, which is, you know, Jason, imagine something's happened in your world that's out of your control and you drop the ball, right? And the team notices. How do you want us to raise that with you? 
And that question makes everybody, everybody's butt pucker up. It's an uncomfortable question. However, really what it's doing is giving everybody the keys and saying, hey, we're going to call things out when they're not at standard, but we're going to do it in a way that's respectful. We don't, we're not assuming negligence or anything else. Right. But we're going to have the conversation and you're going to tell me how I'm going to have it with you. Right. And so, we do so that. You're saying, saying, you're saying we'll put the ball in your court. You yeah. Tell, you tell us what you feel. You tell us how you want to say it and we'll do it that way, but it's going to happen if it happens and, and we'll come at it trusting you and knowing you want it to be better and that you might want to help. And what people often say to that is, Hey, don't talk behind my back. Tell me quickly. Tell me early. Assume it was unintentional. Ask if I need help. Like, and they give you the keys to this stuff. And it's a really amazing language, shared language in a team at the beginning to get on the table, right? Nobody ever does that. And it's, uh, it's very helpful when you need to have those conversations to know, you know, how to do it in a way that they've sanctioned, right? And it's not personal anymore. Use a safe word. Pineapple pizza. We, we actually get companies coming up with safe words as well. Yeah. So that, you know, we can say, Hey, we need to have a pineapple pizza conversation. And it's, <laughs> that's genuinely, that's part of what we do as well. Cause you want to, you want to make light of it. Right? Yeah. You want to make light of it and just have a, we're going to talk about it, but it's just a conversation that's going to happen. It's like you don't let somebody walk around with food stuck in their teeth. It's the same thing. You just have those conversations, but in a way they're comfortable with. So to, to close things out a bit, let's, let's tell everyone listening or watching what they could do, what practical actions they can take to make the best of what we're dealing with right now in society in terms of managing teams remotely like this. What are like some of the things they could do? Um, like this is a shameless plug, but I, it's because, and this is a free one as well, but I would highly check out our team builder kit because everything we're talking about is in there with guides of how to have these conversations with your teams how to facilitate it, how to use some of the tooling that's out there. And if there were one piece of that puzzle, I would really, it is the foundational piece. It is that how do you build trust quick? And the way that you do that is getting people to drop the mask to, uh, you know, really get clear and lean into the superpower they bring into the team and allow them to do that in their own language and get them to talk about what's going to make us successful in our behaviors as a team but also the things we're not going to stand for and we're going to call out and give them the tools to be able to do that. So that would be, uh, that would be my advice. I like that. And um, where can people find out more about what you guys do and any, any plugs you want to give in terms of uh, giveaways or any special. Yeah. So websites? Uh, yeah, for sure. So I'd go check out uh sprintvalley.com. We have an insights section there where we have a whole bunch of, uh, really great, all free resources. We, we open source 80% of our methodologies when we're working with large organizations who are trying to navigate complex change. And we want people to have these methods because they work, right? So we, we do a lot of work with private equity backed businesses because we're able to deliver consistent results and the methods that we use are open source. So it takes time to get good with them, but I definitely say like go check them out because I think there's some, uh, some good stuff in there that's geared up for first time users. Love it. Thanks, Luke. Check out SprintValley.com, everybody. Hope you learned something, and we'll see you guys in the next episode. Hope you enjoyed the episode. If you learned something today, please support this podcast by subscribing to it, sharing it with your friends, and leaving a five-star review. You can learn more about me at JasonSherman.org, where you'll find information about my book, also called Strap on Your Boots, available on Amazon, as well as my course called Startup Essentials on Udemy or Skillshare. I'll see you at next week's episode.